my soul in sad exile was out on life's sea. So burdened with sin and distress, till I heard a sweet voice saying, Make me your choice. And I entered the heaven of rest. I've anchored my soul in the heaven of rest. I'll sail the white seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep. In Jesus, I'm safe evermore. I yielded myself to His tender embrace. In faith, taking hold of the Word, my fetters fell off and I anchored my soul. The haven of rest is my Lord. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the white seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep. In Jesus, I'm safe evermore. Oh, come to the Savior, He patiently waits to save by His power divine. Come anchor your soul in the haven of rest. And say, my beloved is mine. I've anchored my soul in the heaven of rest. I'll sail the white seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep. In Jesus, I'm safe evermore. In Jesus, I'm safe evermore. I like that. I like that group singing like that. Boy, those, the blend and all. Boy, that's exciting. Well, let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5 tonight. 1 John chapter 5. It's amazing. It's hard to imagine that we're really this close to Christmas already. Uh, Right around the corner is New Year's, and it just seems like it was a new year, and here we are already ready to celebrate a new year again. Uh, It's just uh, amazing. And I know the older you get, you know, we make the statement, the older you get, the faster it goes. And everybody agrees with that. I've not met too many people that don't agree with that. And uh, a matter of fact, I can't recall of anyone that has said, oh, no, that's not true at all. It slows down as you get older. I've never heard anybody say that. Okay, so 
Uh, young people, you better enjoy it. Now, if you think it's dragging now, trust me, it won't be long, it won't be. And if you do think it goes fast already, just imagine how soon you'll be my age and looking like this. So, <clears throat> it won't be long, I promise you that. I promise you that. It'll go just like that. It'll be amazing. You'll look back on these days and you'll remember certain people and situations and singing in the choir and working on the bus routes and helping in Sunday schools and going out soul winning and singing in the, the different groups and stuff. And you'll, you'll, you'll reminisce of those days and you'll, you'll lament those days And on one hand. And on the other, you'll, you'll have such fond memories. And uh, you will enjoy those. Uh, you, you'll enjoy those days. But you'll wonder where in the world they go. And then you'll start thinking, I wonder what ever happened to... I almost I forgot their name, but I see it, their face as plain as day. I wonder what happened to them. And uh, there'll be little kids running around here. You'll be thinking one day, I wonder how she looks now. I wonder how he looks now. I wonder if they've changed since I've known them. All those different things. You'll think about all that stuff, and you'll just wonder. You'll be like, man, I'd love to meet them again, see how they're doing. You know, and they'll be... I, it's just crazy how that works, but... Every one of us have been there if we've been around long enough to, to be there, that is, I guess. But First uh, John chapter 5, just cherish every moment you've got, really. Just uh, really don't wish your life away. Do not wish your life away. Well, I can't wait till I'm this so that I can do that. No, just enjoy where you're at. That'll come soon enough. And um, you, you just enjoy where you're at. Just really do that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, on that same line, there's a number of, you know, it, it, it's very tempting, especially as young parents with kids that are younger, to wish those years away. Can't wait till my kids are old enough that they can dress themselves. Can't wait till my kids are old enough that they can feed themselves. Can't wait till my kids are old enough that they can do this and do that and everything. And then all of a sudden you look back and you go, boy, I sure wish my kids were young enough. You know what I mean? And, and then that's how it works. And, you know, most people never enjoy the journey. Most people never enjoy the journey. They're always trying to get somewhere else. And so they never enjoy where they're at. And the Lord wants us to live in the moment. He doesn't want us to... Oh, He certainly wants us to prepare for eternity. He wants us to be eternally minded. I understand all that. But He wants us to live where we're at. You know, you have life today. You may not have it tomorrow. You have health today. You may not have it tomorrow. So He wants us to enjoy every day we've got. Live in the moment. Just enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. First John chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. First John chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. The Bible says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, <clears throat> there's a couple of things we see, first of all. Number one, we see the record. In verse 11, again, this is the record. What's the record? That God hath given to us eternal life and that this life is in His Son. It's, it's written. It's there. It's for us. It's as plain as day to us that know the Word of God, that read the Word of God, that understand the Word of God. There it is. This is the record. And, you know, you think about a record. You think about a marriage certificate or possibly ownership of a building or something, and you have it on file or on record. And, and this is filed in heaven, by the way. It's not going to change. And uh, the fact is, is that is that this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. It's written on earth. It's written in heaven. It's on record. And so there it is. And so we have that there, the record. Number two, we see the requirement in verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's the requirement. You need the Son, Jesus Christ. It's not just a faith or a belief in God. That's not enough. 
You know, the, devil, the devils believe in God and tremble. But the fact is they're still lost and they're going to spend an eternity separated from God. So the, we, we have a requirement here. It's Christ or nothing. It's all Him. And uh, either you have Him or you don't have Him. And if you don't have Him, you don't have life. It's very simple. That's the requirement. Jesus Christ is the requirement. Number two, three, we see not only the record and the requirement, but in verse 13 we see the reality of, all th- of this thing. He says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. The reality is, is that not only can you trust Christ and be saved and have eternal life, but you can know that. Amen. You can know that you are saved. You can know <clears throat> that you have eternal life. And, and obviously we understand that the promises that He's left us in the Word of God are clear enough and they're, they're concise enough that if we just know them, we can claim them. And we, we, by the Word of God, know that we're saved. He's written some things to us so that we can have that settled. The reality is you can know. Now, I know most people will tell you, I don't think anybody can know that for sure. But the reality is, the truth is, you can. Why? Because God's Word says so. So, in the passage, we see the record, the requirement, we see the reality here. And let's face it, we all need to know for sure. We need to have it settled that we're, we're, we're good with God. We're, we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that we're saved and born again. We're on our way to heaven. We need that. That's important. But, you know, there are some other things that we need to make sure of as well. And, again, tonight I want to share just three simple things that we need to know or three simple things that we need to make sure of as well. Now, it's not a comprehensive list. I mean, somebody's going to say, well, I, there's a lot more things I'm sure we need to know than the three you give us. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. You, yeah. You got, yep, you're right. You're on target there. There are. There's a number of other things. But I want to give you just three today, just very quickly. Otherwise, we'd be here probably till New Year's. And I don't think any of us want to be here that long. Okay? So let's go ahead and take just a few minutes and consider just three things that we need to be sure of other than the fact that we're saved on our way to heaven. And we'll look at those. Father, we come to you. We need you tonight. Lord, again, thank you for just this wonderful group that's gathered tonight with a great desire to see you Uh, magnified and glorified. Lord, we thank you for your precious word. What a wonderful thing it is to have your promises and to know that we can be saved and on our way to heaven. Thank you, Lord, for that. We ask, Lord, that you just bless us now and help us, Father, to receive what you'd have for us. And, Lord, may we just kind of truly build on the fact that we're saved. And, Father, have a few other things uh, that are secure in our life. And Lord, we'll thank you for that. We'll praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen. So again, we know we're saved, maybe. That's good. That's important. But there's some other things we need to know also. And we've got to make sure of a couple other things. So here's a couple other things. We, need, we must make sure that we have a solid foundation. Now, <clears throat> look in 1 Corinthians 3.11. And I know someone's going to say, well, yeah, we know that verse because we deal with that with salvation. But that's not really, the verse really isn't about salvation. The verse is really about your Christian life and my Christian life. That's the context, because the context of it is the the, the judgment seat of Christ. And so we have a foundation that we're building on, but we're building on a foundation for life. It's our life that's being built. 1 Corinthians 3.11, the Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than that which that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's the foundation. We need a solid foundation for sure. And again, we may view that as kind of, well, that's salvation there. It is, 
And I'm not going to argue or debate that. If you don't have that foundation, you don't have salvation. But the fact is, is that you need a, a, a solid foundation. And Jesus Christ doesn't cease to be a foundation after you get saved. He continues to be the foundation. And that's something we need to keep in mind always. Again, we need to build upon our salvation. Sadly enough, it seems that some are content to be just simply saved. Well, that's not how God intended it to be. He wants us to continue to build on that salvation. And in this case, there's a foundation. That person's name is Jesus Christ, and He wants us to build on that. If we, if we have a weak foundation in our Christian life, then we will be unstable, and we're going to live a life of ups and downs. We're going to be like a roller coaster in our spiritual life because our foundation is weak. And someone says, well, I'm saved, so that makes Christ my foundation. No, Christ is the foundation, but that doesn't mean you're building on Him. That's a reality. And if your life, your Christian life, is a bunch of ups and downs, then let me tell you, friend, that's proof positive that you haven't allowed Christ to be the foundation, even though He is a foundation. So we noticed uh, years ago, I I, I remember years ago, uh, I was uh, working in a church up in Stowe, Ohio. And um, they built a brand new high school up there. And uh, it was called Stowe High School. Okay, how, what, what an amazing name, right? I mean, how, so, you know, so, uh, you know, they built this school and it cost them millions of dollars. Millions. It was, you know, state of the art. It was beautiful. Obviously, Stowe being kind of a, kind of a uh, highfalutin kind of area right, off of, right beside Hudson. And, you know, the idea is that people have a lot of money there, you know, and... And so people, you know, they built this high school and they wanted to try to compete, I think, with, you know, Hudson and some other places. And, you know, the great school system, we can draw all these wonderful families and all that. So they invested a lot of money, a lot of money into this school. It was only a few years later after they got into the school, they realized that the school was sinking. The foundation had shifted and the school started sinking. Let me tell you something, that's not good for any structure. You know what? It's not good for schools. It's not good for government buildings. It's not good for church buildings. And you want to know something else? That's not good for Christian lives. There's no place for a sinking foundation. If our foundation is sinking, then we are in some real trouble. Therefore, we need to stand upon a solid foundation. And therefore, we need to stand upon the Savior. Obviously, we know Christ is the foundation, so we need to stand on Him. Why do we stand on Him? Because the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can count on Christ. Do you know that everything that He uh, stands for is always going to be what He stands for? You never have to wonder what He thinks or where He's at on some things. You know where He stands on it. I mean, it's simple. He's consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the book of Matthew, turn there. You've read this before, I'm sure. But notice in chapter 7, verse 24, what the Bible says. In chapter 7, verse 24, we read, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, notice this is interesting to me because, we, you know, if you want to you really look at it, there isn't more, more to this foundation than just salvation. Because right here, the Lord even goes on to say, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. 
So, so really, the foundation that we're going to build on more than just Him. We're building on His sayings. And if you're going to keep them, then you're building on solid ground. If you don't, then we're going to see you're not. So, you know, here's the bottom line then. The truth is, is that if you don't obey God's Word, then you aren't building on a solid foundation according to the Word of God. I don't care how saved you are. Because we're all equally saved. Nobody's more saved than the next. And He is the foundation in which to build. The problem is, we're not necessarily building because we're not keeping His sayings. Notice it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. One could almost surmise that the rock then in this passage are the sayings of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? I mean, you... Wait a second. Well, I, I try to do my best to obey the Lord, but I don't... There's some things I just... I haven't been convicted about that yet. But are they the sayings of the Lord? Because if they are, that's the foundation you have to build on. You do that by keeping those sayings. By obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not enough to know right. You have to do right. He goes on to say, And the rain descended, verse 27, excuse me, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of falling going on. And, and it doesn't have to be like falling out of grace as far as a man of God falls out of the pulpit. It's not necessarily that a man falls away from his wife and, and family. It's not that a woman falls away from her husband and family. It's not necessarily this whole complete and total crumbling that's taking place necessarily. But let me tell you something. You can fall without people knowing it. You can hide that stuff. And you know, you know how it all starts? By not obeying His Word. Not building on the solid foundation, which are His sayings. And you know what that includes? That includes things like, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. So, I obey God by going to church, but I just don't live a separated life outside of church. Well, let me tell you, you're, you're building on sinking sand, friend. And one day, it's going to be, there's going to be a fall. And it's great is the fall of it sooner or later. Oh, it may just be a little fall right now. And nobody notices it that much. Oh, I mean, let's face it. We can have a toilet that leaks for a long time without really realizing it. We can have a sink that maybe has a little drip and we don't deal with it because it's not that big a deal. But all of a sudden, that drip becomes a little bit more steady. And all of a sudden, we get a, a water bill that says, man, you owe us a lot of money. And we go, what happened? It didn't seem like it was that big a deal. But all of a sudden it adds up. Before it's over with, it becomes a major problem. And now you should have taken care of that earlier and now you wouldn't have to replace the whole thing. <clears throat> and that's what we're dealing with. A solid foundation. Sure, you need to be saved. You ought to have it settled. But you also need a solid foundation in the Christian life. And that solid foundation is not some pseudo-psycho thing. I've got Jesus. It is a literal foundation and it's found not just in the savior but the scriptures right amen it says forever o lord thy word is settled in heaven 
Again, you don't have to guess where you stand when it's on this book. This, this is where you find the sayings. Someone says, well, I don't agree with your position. You don't have to agree with my position. But you do have to agree with it if it's God's position. That's where you better just watch, the, the, watch your step. You say, well, whoa, are you threatening me? No, I'm telling you you're walking on some, some sand. I'm telling you your foundation's getting weak. You don't have to like what God says. You don't have to agree with God's, what God says. But I promise you there are consequences when we fail to build on solid ground. Whether it's in your life, your marriage, your home. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead and dismiss the Word of God. Know in your heart, sir, that there are certain things you should not allow your children or yourselves to watch. Go ahead and permit certain people in your home when you know they shouldn't be there. Or let them have the friends that they have, even though you don't agree with it. Go ahead and just let them build on some sinking sand. And let me tell you, not only they, but you, your wife, your family will sink. And you know what? We like to play this game. I've got to keep peace in a home. But let me tell you something. When everything falls apart around you, there won't be any peace because there won't be anything left. It's time we get serious about what we do here. This is church, but church doesn't fix anyone or anything. This is just a meeting of people. It's what we take from it that makes the difference. And that's important that we understand that salvation is wonderful. And we ought to preach it, teach it, we ought to go proclaim it. But in the end, when we sit here, it's about getting some, some solid foundation in which to build. Because if you have a solid foundation, then the next thing is possible. Number two, you need a sure footing. But if you don't have a solid foundation, there's no sure footing. Turn, if you would, to Psalms 18, verse 13. Psalm 18, 33, excuse me. Psalm 18, 33. <clears throat> you know, there's been a trend through the years, and it's, it's been one of those subtle things, and it's kind of come about through the new evangelical church and the lack of standards and separation and the whole idea that God looks at the heart, He doesn't care what you do on the outside. And what's happened is we have downplayed, we've downplayed works. Because we're not saved by works. We understand that. I'm not an idiot. I'm not stupid. I know what the Bible teaches. I know what legalism is, contrary to what they tell me I believe or don't believe. I know what the Bible says. And I'm not adding works to salvation. That's legalism. But what we have downplayed is sure footing. We'll talk about a strong, solid foundation, but then we'll try to dismiss our actions. We'll try to say things like, it's, it's not, you know, it's not what you do, it's, how you, it's who you are inside. And that's important, I understand that. But don't tell me somebody that doesn't have a problem with something God has a problem with. It's spiritual. If you can do things that God's Word says are blatantly wrong, then how in the world can we say we're spiritual and right with God? We don't have any sure footing. You, you, you say, I'm building on solid foundation. Unless you, unless you are building on a foundation of obedience, you're not building on a, a solid foundation. And then there's no way in the world you can have sure footing. Impossible. Look what it says in Psalm 1833. 
The Bible says, He maketh my feet like hind's feet. He setteth me upon my high places. Hind's uh, feet has to do with a particular type of deer-like creature that is able to like almost tiptoe on the edges of cliffs and has sure footing on these little cliffs and stuff. I, I've seen pictures of it. You know, I've looked it up because I thought, Hind's feet? I mean, does that have to do with ketchup or what is that? Is that, is that a football field or what? I, I don't get it, but it was a, it's an animal and, and you can see these little things. I mean, literally, they're just like holding on by their little toe tips, you know, on the edge of a cliff, just a real little spot. And I'm thinking, wow, they have sure footing and they have, in some cases, very little to hold on to, but their feet are so sure, so solid. It, it was a number of years ago, and I've told the story before, but it's been some time, I'm sure. But I was uh, up in Asheville, North Carolina with a friend of mine and his, his wife, and my, Sherry and I were with them, and he was a good friend of mine from the military, and uh, we were up there just uh, up in Asheville, and, and, and it's a mountainous area, and there's uh, like um, these, like, not a river, but stream that goes through it. I mean, it's the stream's pretty pretty hardcore, you know, it's pretty rough. So me and my buddy, we decide we're going to show off a little bit for our wives and we're going to jump in this 50-degree water. We don't care, you know, we're tough, you know, we're he-men, you know. And so we decide to jump in that, that, that rushing little river. It was probably from that, that uh, set of chairs, probably no wider than to the side right here, so right here, about that wide. But man, I mean, it was rushing through there. And my wife, of course, you need to be careful. I don't, that's not probably a good idea. Ah, it's no big deal. Just jump in here, you know. No big deal. I mean, we're men. Look how strong we are, you know, and, and all that stuff. And so we got in, you know, we kind of waded down in there a little bit. And it was like, oh, cold, you know, we're freezing to death. And then all of a sudden you get used to it. And next thing I know, we're like, you know, kind of going a little deeper and a little deeper. And of course, he's not going to get any deeper than me. You know, I mean, come on, my wife's there too, you know. And so moving out a little bit further, a little further. And next thing I know, I mean to tell you, it was like that. I, I can't even, I was going to say, I can't even put my foot on it. But <laughs> literally, I couldn't put my foot on it. Next thing I know, I hit a rock or something. And I mean, it wasn't sure footing at all. I, my foot went and whoo, I went under the water. That quick. I mean, that quick. It was probably up to our chest, our neck, maybe. And, and next thing I know, I'm in the I can't even get to the top. I don't even know where I'm at. I'm spinning around, banging into rocks and hitting my head and my elbows and arms. And I was like... I couldn't find my way up out of that water. And, you know, you would think it'd be cake. I mean, it's only this wide. It's only probably the neck deep and maybe sometimes, you know, a couple extra feet above that when you hit some low spots. And I could not find my way out of that. And I got, to, I'm honest, I'm not joking. I started wondering if I was going to come up out of that thing. I started getting a little scared. No, not a little, a lot scared. And I think it was probably 25, 20, 25 feet down that little river. I finally come out of there gasping for breath, holding my arm and my head. And I mean, I was hurting. I couldn't, I couldn't, I was hanging on for dear life to a rock. Thanking the Lord that I was still alive. All because I lost my footing. It almost sunk me. And I know it, it, it sounds crazy, but that water was rushing. And I'm going to tell you, life can get to rushing in our lives. And situations and circumstances can be like that raging river. And let me tell you, when you go under you may wonder if you're going to ever come up. But that's why it's important that you have some sure footing. You know, we need the sure footing that's found in our purity. You want some sure footing, you need to walk purely, live purely. Look at Psalm chapter 24. 
we, we can debate all day long about what's pure, what's not, what's holy, what's not. Go ahead. We can debate it all day. Whether it's okay to drink, whether it's okay to smoke, whether it's okay to dance, whether it's okay to go to movies, whether it's okay to, to watch this rated movie or that rated movie, or if this is bad or that's bad, or if this is good or that's good, or if this is good enough, that's good enough. Go ahead and debate it all you want. But let's see what the Bible says. Psalm chapter 24, verse 3 through 4. Here's the standard. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Now listen, I don't have to answer the questions you just would have thrown at me just a moment ago. If you'll judge yourself by what that verse just said, you got clean hands tonight? You got a pure heart? I mean, do you lift up your soul into vanity? Is anything done for self? Thinking it, doing it, whatever, for self. Have you ever sworn deceitfully? Said something to, and it wasn't really true? Just to either look good, act good, be good? I'm telling you, we live in a world where, honestly, every day we walk out the door, our feet are probably getting pretty dirty. And we saw earlier that Jesus is over there saying, I'm going to need to wash your feet because you might be cleansed, but you're going to still need some cleaning from time to time. And all I'm saying is, is that once you gauge what you do against what God's standard is, and that's purity and perfection. We make such a big deal about standards and stuff today. Everybody freaks out when you start talking about stuff like that. But the fact is, is that you want some sure footing in your life? You better understand that it is found in your purity. If you're not pure, you'll not be solid in your, 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 your uh, footing. It won't be sure. Your foundation, it better be set, that's for sure. But you better have some solid, you better have some sure footing as well. Or you're going to slip, you're going to fall. Not only that, but sure footing is found in our perspective. It's in our perspective. In Hebrews chapter 12, turn there if you would please, verse 1 and 2. Every time a man or woman gets closer to God... You know how they feel? Dirtier. That's right. Feel dirtier. Yes, sir. That's right. When a man comes to me and he acts and he thinks he's so clean, I know he's far away from God. Yeah. That's right. It's very simple. When someone says, Oh, I am perfectly fine, I'm good to go. Man, me and God got something going. I think to myself, Are you kidding me? How far away from God are you? Man, every time I think about the Lord, I it was funny, we were in the van heading down to the nursing home. And uh, I can't remember what was said, but uh, something about the judgment seat of Christ. And, and uh, someone said, man, I don't look forward to that day. And I thought, well, well, yeah, it does say the terror of the Lord. I mean, there's a part of that that's kind of scary for all of us, I think, if you're honest. I mean, as much as I, I want to be commended, there's a good possibility there will be some things I'll regret. i got to believe that. And the closer we get to the Lord, the more we realize how short we fall to His standard. It's not a matter of you beat yourself up. It's not a matter of that you go home and you say, Here, see, honey, can you cane me a while? Because I'm so wicked. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. But there is an element when you get beside perfection that you realize how far short you fall from it. And then you have to rely on something other than yourself to feel good 
That's the grace of God. Amen. See, most people don't need the grace of God. Well, at least they don't think they do because they think they measure up. Well, I teach Sunday school. I go to church three times a week. I go out soul winning even. I'm right with God. You really think that's all there is to it? So when we want to really talk about the heart, then all of a sudden we want to say, well, here's my works. But when we don't want to deal with our works, we talk about the heart. No, I'm just saying it goes hand in hand. We can't have one or the other. We need both, and we need to focus on both. Hebrews 12. Look at the the perspective here that God wants for us. Wherefore, seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We see a little bit there of the purity that God intends for us and desires of us. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The perspective is one of focusing on Christ. We hear that all the time. We hear that all the time. But notice what happens before we ever get there. Purity. And someone says, well, and we've used these verses. Let's just face it. Chapter 12, verse 1. It's one of those verses that anyone can use that wants to use it because you can make it say whatever you want if you really want to. For instance, I could say something like, well, it's not really a sin in my life, it's just a weight. Okay, well, what's God say you ought to do with weights then? Lay them aside. So you you shouldn't have that in your life either then. Yeah, but it's not a sin. But he says to lay it aside. Do you realize the fact is we can't look to Jesus until we have laid aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us? See, this is what we don't understand. We want to talk about how we're focusing on the Lord. We're living for Jesus, but our lives are filled with sin. And we can't understand why we're struggling in our marriages and in our lives and in our churches. Why we're not seeing the results we want to see. I'll tell you why, because it all begins with sure footing. Okay, we found our salvation. We began to build on what we believe to be a solid, found, a, sure, a solid foundation. But let me tell you, if you want sure footing, it begins with purity. You need some purity in your life, and then you need some perspective. Then you can see Christ, and then you can understand what it is He's going to want for you and how He wants you to see things. And you know how He wants you to see things? Eternally. Eternally. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 73 says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You know what his problem was? His perspective. He saw things wrong. Now, if you'd have questioned him and if you'd have surveyed him, he'd have told you he was thinking straight. He was right on target, man. He had it figured out. But he didn't. It wasn't until he got into the sanctuary again. It wasn't until he got closer to the Lord. Then he saw things the way God sees things and had the right perspective. And then he recognized that they weren't really doing as well as they think or that I thought they were doing They're headed only to one place, and that's hell. And this is the best they have. Sure footing. 
sure footing is found in our purity. It's found in our perspective. And obviously, with that said, as we close that portion out, sure footing is found in our practice. As we mentioned already, you can't separate what we do from what we believe. It doesn't happen. And I was talking to the singles this morning, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing to me. You know, we talk about credibility at our workplace or credibility at, you know, amongst our classmates or whatever. But the truth is we need some credibility with each other. And we need it with, our, with those at work, and we need it with everyone around us, really, in reality. The fact is credibility is built based on consistency. I mean... <clears throat> Simple obedience is necessary if we hope to be sure-footed in our faith. That's just the reality. We've already discussed that we don't need to, uh, quote, beat a dead horse, so to speak. We understand that. The fact is, is that in 1 Samuel 15, 22, Samuel said, Half the Lord is great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Give you an example of that. And I've, I've used this before, probably some of you may remember it. But years ago when I first uh, was getting in the ministry, I'd gotten my first, quote, full-time position with a particular church. And uh, I, I was going out with the pastor and we were visiting. We ran into a particular fellow. We get to the, his room. He lived in an apartment complex. We go up there. We knock. We get in. We have time to fellowship with him. He wasn't faithful in church. Matter of fact, we're trying to encourage him to come to church. And before we leave, what's he do? He gets there and he pulls some money out of his wallet. And he gives the pastor some money. Here, I just want you to have this. Appreciate you coming by. He pulls some money out. He goes to give to me. I said, nah. Preacher says, I said, all right. I took it. Walked out the door. Did we get out the door? pastor says to me, and I knew it already, he says, he says, that guy, every time I come there, he gives me money. Every single time I visit. I don't even like to go over there because he wants to give me money. And I said, he gives you money because he's trying to pacify his conscience. He says, I know. I said, then why do we take it? So I went back on my own one time just to see him. He pulls his wallet out, starts to give me money. I said, no, I'm not taking your money. I said, because when I walk out the door, you'll think you're a good man. That you're right with God because you gave me that money. And I want you to understand, that doesn't take the place of being in God's house, reading His Word, and living for Him. Now listen, I'm not trying to be self-righteous and all that good stuff, but let me tell you something. Sadly enough, many people, including people in church, we get the idea that sacrificing eliminates obedience. I give a lot to the missions program, so... You know what? That's my way of witnessing. Pacify our conscience. I give a lot to the church. That's my way of participating and being involved. Hey, it's good. You ought to give a lot of money. I give a lot of money. And that's a wonderful thing. I, I think that's a tremendous investment in eternity. But hold on. That doesn't eliminate obedience. And we're trying to find some... Sure footing on a solid foundation here. But sometimes we're not even practicing what is preached or even what we preach. I, I had somebody, some teenagers one time come to me, young teenagers, probably 7th, 8th, ninth grade. 
They said, you know, it's really, at this time I was pastoring, but it was pastoring this church. It was probably 15, 20 years ago now. And they came to me and said, preacher, we're frustrated. So what are you frustrated? A couple of them. And I said, they said, because there are times, you know, we knock on our parents' door and they'll say, no, we're, they'll say, you can, we can hear movies on in there. And we'll say, what are you watching? They'll say, grown-up stuff. It's not for you. And so then the kids would turn around and look around, and there would be some movies there. They'd say, we want to watch that one. They'd say, no, that's grown-up movie. So now their kids, growing up, had always heard that there was a difference between what children watch and what adults watch. And you say, well, that's, that's a reality of it. Well, in your Christian home, you better be real careful with that. Hey, listen, there are certain documentaries your children shouldn't watch, and they need to know it's a documentary. They need to know it deals with adult material, the things that when they get a little older, they'll be able to watch. But right now, as children, they don't need to worry about those things. Right. I mean, maybe you're, reading, doing a, 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 you're, you're, you're watching a video on the Holocaust. I'm not going to let my five-year-old watch that. But, but, but the point is, is this. There shouldn't be movies that you can watch as a Christian that your teenager can't watch. You say, well, that's not true. Let me tell you something. If you can listen to the cussing and they're not allowed, how's your Heavenly Father feel about that? How is it that you, as a child of God, can listen to that trash, but your children can't listen to it in your home? I don't get stuff like that. And we wonder why our families are being built on shaky ground. We wonder why our children grow up and they have no, no real, we have no credibility with them. And we say, you're going to church. And they say, I don't, I don't want to go to church. I don't, why should I have to go to church? You don't always go to church. You don't watch what you should watch. You go there and smile at everybody, and then you come home and you scream and yell at dad or mom, or you sit there and watch these things anyway. What's the point? Why do we even waste our time going? And you go, don't you be disrespectful. You'll fi- find out when you're an adult. Right now, you just do what you're told. All I'm saying is, is that your practice is important today. It matters because it provides you with some sure footing. I'm watching homes disintegrate. I'm watching marriages disintegrate. You want to know why? Because we're not practicing this right here. And we're going to say we're on sure ground. We're on solid ground. We have some sure footing, preacher. No, you don't. Not if you're not obeying the Word of God, you don't. And you know what? That applies to every preacher in the house. That applies to every person in the house. It doesn't matter because the Word of God stays the same for all of us. He's the same and so is the Word of God settled in heaven. So we see that to be the case. You say, well, I don't know about this works thing. Well, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. That's, that's what you say. I mean, that's not spiritual. That, that's pretty clear. Oh, over there, the great white throne, it's interesting. The books will be open. What's going to be revealed? Works. So works are pretty important to God. They ought to be important to us. You can't dismiss what you do from who you are. You can't do it. You just can't do it. Neither can I. Number three, and finally, simple faith. Simple faith. So we, want this, we need a solid foundation. We don't just need to know we're saved, although that's a wonderful thing. We need a solid foundation. We find that in the Savior and in the Scriptures. We see a sure footing found in our purity, our perspective, and ultimately our practice. But we need simple faith today. And maybe this is where many people falter is simple faith. And and let me explain. Turn to to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 20. 
I think the devil is probably the best, well, he is the best deceiver there is. He is the father of all lies, we know that. And he can discourage a believer like that. He can get us down, he can get us discouraged. Man, he can get us distracted, distanced from God real quick. He's good at it. And, and one of the things is, we'll see here, simple faith plays a factor. And I'll explain what I mean. Mark chapter 9, verse 20. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, wallowed foaming. Now remember, the disciples had been out, and now all of a sudden they run into this man who has this child, and he's casting himself into fire. He's having a hard time. They, he says, can you, can you cast this devil out of my child? Can you get rid of this spirit that keeps ruling him and running his life? And they said, okay, let's work on that. And when it was all said and done, they could not help this boy. And so Jesus shows up, and, and this guy's like, hey, why couldn't your disciples help him? How's come they couldn't cast him out? Remember the whole story, as we'll see here, you know, this one coming forth by prayer and fasting and all that. So anyway, look what happens here. And we see that not everyone... Well, anyway, let's go here. And he asked his father, how long has it been since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father and the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. Now, I think there's a real message right there when Jesus saw the people came running. I really think that's where the real issue is here. But nonetheless, notice here, he says, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Now, I'm not sure if Jesus healed this boy because of the people or if he healed him because of this man's faith. Not 100% sure. I really don't know for sure. He has faith. He says, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. But here's what I do. I'm pretty confident, however, that what we want to learn from this and understand is that it's not how much faith, it's what faith. I mean... He didn't have much faith. And if Jesus healed his boy at all for any reason, uh, for faith of any reason, it wasn't a lot of faith. He even said, listen, I do believe. Help thou mine unbelief. What he's saying is, I don't have a lot of faith, Jesus. I got a real little bit of faith. But I have faith. And you know why I think sometimes we don't live for God the way we should or we, we, we don't do what we feel God would have us do? is sometimes I don't think we really feel we have strong enough faith to do it. I think sometimes we question our faith and we start to go, say, the devil says, ah, you, you know what, you might as well not even try because you'll just fail. You'll just fail. Your faith isn't that strong. It's not strong enough to overcome. You know, the, me, it's not strong enough to overcome your problems. It's not strong enough to deal with the situation at hand. No, I'll tell you what, don't even try. It's not worth it. Okay, so you're going to try to separate yourself from this sin in your life. Man, you'll fail. You've tried that before. It won't work. You know it. Might as well just give in. <clears throat> Let me ask you tonight, do you have faith? Someone says, well, I have faith. Again, I didn't ask, do you have a lot of faith? I just want to know, do you have faith? And I believe tonight, Jesus just wants to know, do you have any faith? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith. It doesn't say how much, it just says without faith. It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
If you have any faith at all, you can do something for God. Luke chapter 17, verse 5 and 6. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. The apostles, the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. So they didn't have as much faith as they thought they needed, but they had faith. Would you increase our faith, Lord? And here's what the Lord says to them. He doesn't say, okay, uh, let me pull out my series on faith. All right, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Read the Word of God from cover to cover for the next six days. No, here's what the Lord says. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto the sycamore tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. He says, you don't need more faith. You need to exercise the faith you've got. And you want to know something? That's what we need to do. Our faith will grow as we exercise our faith. But sometimes we have questions about certain things. Well, let me ask you, while you got those questions, what are you doing with what you do know? And while you got those issues about faith, well, I I believe, but help thou mine unbelief type mentality, are you exercising what little faith you have? Because the devil wants to tell you that it's not enough to even have sure footing. It's not enough to have a solid foundation. It's not enough what you have. And you know what we need after we're saved? We need some simple faith. Not complicated faith, not big faith. We just need some simple faith that says, you know what, Lord? You're right, I can't do this. But I'm trusting you because you're big enough to. I believe that you're big enough to do it. Not me, but you. That's simple faith. Lord, I I believe that I can give because you've promised to to bless and you've said that's what you want, so I'm going to trust you to meet my need in being in my obedience. I'm going to do it. Simple faith. Well, I can't give like somebody else. I didn't ask how much faith. Do you got any faith? Give what God puts on your heart. Do it. Exercise what faith you've got. Quit trying to be something you're not. Be who you are. And let God worry about building you into what He wants you to be. Without a doubt, we need confidence in our salvation. But also, we need some more than that. We just need more than that. We need a solid foundation. We need some sure footing. We need some simple faith today. May God build our lives on Christ. May we build our lives on Christ and His Word today. I mean, literally, seriously, on Him and His Word. And, and, And there is no difference between Him and His Word. And that's important to understand. You know, it's funny how people say, well, I'm building my life on the Lord. Yeah, but... I appreciate it. I don't know. Let's see. Who was it went with me? Was it Joshua? Me and Joshua, there was a young man that came here uh, during our VBS this past year. It was kind of hanging around outside. And people were a little bit nervous and a little afraid because he wasn't maybe, um, he wasn't acting 100% right. Some people thought he might be on drugs, blah, 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 blah. So Josh and I talked to him and before you know it, we're giving him a ride home. Well, that ride turned into going all the way to Canton and a whole lot of things. But let me tell you this. I'm going to be honest with you. What he shared in that car was more profound than 99% of the people I've sat and talked to from church. And I'm not joking. I am not exaggerating. Am I exaggerating? Me and Josh both looked at each other and said, my goodness, wish we could have wrote down notes, wrote notes from that guy. I mean, the dude, I mean, he was just snapping off these sayings and these 
wisdoms and, man, I mean, just principles. And I was like, wow. And I've had that happen before, but I don't know if it was ever quite as distinct as this, it was with him. But he got out of that car, and me and Joshua just looked at each other and was like, whoa. Man, to listen to that guy, you would think he was a spiritual giant. He didn't go to church. He's bound by drugs and alcohol. Living with a girl. Just got out of jail. But man, I'm going to tell you something. To talk to him, you'd have thought. He knew this book in and out. And he had wisdom, man. I'm telling you, he said things that made sense. But you know what I know something? There was a disconnect. He, he was spiritual. He was spiritual. But he wasn't scriptural. And all I'm saying, and, and what it's important for us to understand is this. You can believe yourself to be spiritual, but if you're not scriptural, you're lying to yourself. Because that solid foundation is found in this book. And sure footing is found on obedience to this book. Because you can't separate the God that wrote it from what he wrote. And we need to build our lives on Christ and his word. And our feet, may God help our feet to be sure as we strive for purity. As we focus on eternity. As we live obediently. And finally, may we exercise simple faith by using what faith we have. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you you're not a big enough Christian to pray like you ought to or to understand the word like you need to or to exercise truth like you ought to. Don't let him lie to you. Just exercise simple faith and God will begin to grow you as he sees fit. Father, we come to you. We love you. We need you. We certainly, Father... No, without you, we're nothing. You said that you're the vine, we're simply the branches. Lord, may you help us. We know that you said without you, we can do nothing. And Lord, we, we believe that tonight. I believe these that are gathered here believe that or they wouldn't be here seeking your word. But Lord, if, if we have...